to the truth in this art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I am thrilled to delve into the vibrant world of abstract art, art therapy, and entrepreneurship with a truly gifted DMV area visual artist. Drawn upon her rich Middle Eastern heritage, her work uniquely blends diverse cultural influences to create compelling masterpieces. Please extend a warm welcome for the incredibly talented and inspiring Alexi Ebi Mikel. Welcome to the podcast. I'm good. It is very hot today. I will say that it's like 100 degrees out here. <laughs> it's it's not great. Um, I, this is definitely a two shirt day. I changed t shirts today because it was like, yeah, this deodorant's not holding. Um, <laughs> which is TMI, but it's reality. Um, the truth in this art. Um, so. Our, our listeners, when we we do these podcasts, I like to like welcome folks on. And when we do these podcasts um, and do these interviews, I, I think folks like to really learn about the unique background, the story, inspiration process, but also get that sort of brief overall like journey. So, if you will, I want to give you the floor to start off with. Could you you know, introduce yourself and really share with us where your artistic journey begins? For sure. So my name is Alexi. I go by Lex most of the time. That's what my friends call me. Um, my business's name is Abstract by Alexi. I focus on abstract artwork um, for the most part. And I've been pretty creative like my whole life. I've always been into art. I've always like had a creative imagination. I was the only child. I was foreign. I'm not even from this country. So I came here speaking like no English, no nothing. And, you know, just kind of adjusting to, to the culture and stuff. But I always found like two things like sports and art were always like huge for me. It was always like a whole creative, um, creative thing. So, um, my biggest time frame I would say would be like during high school, I got really into it and I started taking like all these different art classes and architecture classes. And I wanted to be an architect so I could design homes and, come towards the technical side. I started just like flunking my classes with the computer and all that. So I was like, you know what? Reset. Um, ended up somehow being a psychology major instead. But then when I moved to the DMV, I came and did like a bunch of political um, internships. I minored in political science and ended up in a therapy office and then got my license through that and I started working with children and I was like you know what I incorporate a lot of art with the children that I work with and most of my friends here in the DMV area they're like very pronounced artists like they're very well-known muralist artists like they they have like the majority of their city under their uh their wing basically so I was like you know I want to do that 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 is what I want to do like I feel like that's where my heart is that's where my passion is and that's kind of how I got started wow thank you wow that's that's great um we, we have those moments. You, you you definitely mentioned something that I relate to where I wanted to be an engineer, right? I had these I had these different cycles. I had early on, I wanted to be a like comic book artist and astronaut together somehow. I, I was six, you know, <laughs> and uh, I think when, by the time I got into like high school or what have you, the dream wasn't dead. But by the time I got into high school, I was looking at either going into, you know, business degree or engineering. So I took a um, it's sort of the engineering mindset and you know, I, was, I was selling stuff in school. Let's just put it that way. I was selling like sodas and things of that nature. Oh, OK. <laughs> I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> well, um, having the sort of entrepreneurial thing, but also taking these classes to see like, OK, is engineering a thing? And ultimately, the where it connects to what you were describing, uh, when it got to, hey, you need to take this, this uh, physics class. And it was one of the hardest classes I've ever taken. 
And I was like, well, I guess, uh, I guess engineering is not going to work for me. I guess I'm out. I guess I'm doing something different. <laughs> and I, I chose, I chose business. And, um, you know, early on, uh, one of those like first jobs, you know, out of, out of college, um, I, I knew that the creative thing going back to the very root of it was still something for me. You know, you know, I, I used to draw comics, so it wasn't just, you know, pipe dream, but having that desire and interest. And now I kind of combine elements of the creative stuff being self-taught in this lane and, um, you know, taking some of the, the entrepreneurial things that I've learned specifically in marketing and, and strategic thinking, critical thinking, and bring it all together into this. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel too. Like I was doing all this admin work and event coordinating and logisticals and contract writing, all, all these different skills. I've been, I've done so many different jobs, man. It's been crazy. You know, just hustling while you're like trying to do what you want to do and save the money to do it. But really like, like, like all the way from right to left, North Pole to South Pole, like just different jobs, but they all are like, brought me these skills that I was able to use for when I wanted to start my business. And when I like wanted to learn how to really get into like teaching art and just making it happen for real. So that was cool. It's great. It's great. Um, you, you mentioned sports. So I got to ask what, what, what sport what sport were you? Did you, you what, what did you play? I used to play a lot of different sports. So I actually, um, for one, I'm from Can. Well, I'm not from Kansas, right? When we immigrated, my family moved to Kansas to Wichita. Shout out Wichita State, Kansas University. Huge, huge, huge basketball schools, right? Like basketball was crazy. I've been playing basketball since I was like three years old. But I stopped in high school because I'm not that tall, <laughs> for one. <laughs> um, also, like volleyball was a thing for a while. I played that for like, maybe seven years it is like a little softball ran track in high school you know just always stayed stayed on a team stayed fit all that it's fine uh those morale <laughs> precious <laughs> dreams sometimes but it's okay you learn how to lose you know so that 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 was like my big one but yeah i'm a huge huge basketball fan like i'd be going to the wizards game often um yeah <laughs> that's great that's great is is there when you, when you think back um through like sort of maybe early super early like whether it's design oriented whether it's imagery whether it's painting or even something that you may have done like you know growing up what is that that thing that really sticks out of this is where you know creativity and art began for me like something very specific and and i say that um because i always go back to like you know christmas holidays what have you um and I would get these drawing books, how to draw comic characters. And I would get like that in color pencils. That's just what the thing was at a super early age, like maybe four, maybe five. And that's where I can kind of like point it back. Like this is when it started. <laughs> I would say like when I really got serious about it, it was high school. I had a dope art teacher. Her name was Miss Sprague. I still remember her. She's that cool. Um, and I made like some of my best work in her class. Like to this day, I could go back and be like, damn, how did I do that? You know what I'm saying? So or like, I need Miss Sprague. Where is she at to come reteach me how to do this? Or how do I get on YouTube? But that, um, she kind of like initiated her classes, initiated it, but I got bullied really bad. Like my sophomore year, um, I went to a, like majority white school, like very conservative, very, it was, I'm not going to say too much, but I was not treated, um, how people should be getting treated and how people are treated nowadays with the, um, amount of awareness and diversity that we have today. There was a lot of ignorance and racism where I was at. So, 
um yeah I had this like group of girls I was like really fun really cool for a while this group of girls started to get really jealous and this one girl just started like making rumors and bullying me and making fun of my culture and where I came from. And that's always been a thing. Like kids always used to tease me because I'm from, I'm from the middle East. I'm Arab and I'm darker complexion than they are. I look different. I eat different foods. So, um, there was a time where like, I didn't have friends for like a year or so. I'm, I'm going to be real. Like they were, they were that mean. So I like honed all my time into making art and my art was like my therapy. And I came out with like these dope pieces of artwork and I was able to kind of take that style that I started to kind of uh, create for myself and make for myself that it's like, oh, if you, you know, you look at it, you can tell like, yeah, Lex made that or like that's Lex's type of design. So it kind of started around that time just because like I would come home after school or if we had snow days or whatever, I'd be drawing or painting or baking even like I used to make these crazy cakes and like decorate the cakes with like different things and, you know, just design stuff. So <laughs> I say that that was really the time where I was like, all right, I want to do this this for real so i i like that you i'm uh, sad that you experienced that but i like that you were able to turn those um those lemons into lemonade as it were you know like high school is a weird time you know life is a weird time but there are certain periods in your life where it's really weird and there's no place for for ignorance and mistreatment anything along those lines and but you know when you hear folks are able to you know, take from that experience and get some semblance of a silver lining out of it. And it's just like, you know, it, it, I'm a nerd. So it, it's like, this is a canon event, you know, in, in the Spider-Man parlance, it's like, oh yeah, you know, this had to happen and now this happens. So yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah and it's made me stronger to say the least too. Like now when I see somebody, um, I'm not gonna lie I go back like not very often but when I do go back there and I see something like just not appropriate happening or someone saying something that is derogatory or discriminative or racist just completely as a whole I will speak up like I've gotten people kicked out of bars before like just for being racist for saying something racist about me or about something I said that they had nothing to even deal with so I will say like you know before I used to be like really quiet and like just kind of deal with it and take it as I feel like most of us were like that when we were younger um, but now it's like, no, like I will stand up for what I believe in, for what I feel is right, for what I know is truth and facts and all that. I'm not going to sit here and be fed BS from people who don't even like me because of how I look like that's ridiculous. So, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm on the same page. And, you know, you, you touched on not being tall earlier. I, so I'm yeah. very tall. I'm six, four. Right. So. Oh, wow. And I, I'm a huge black guy. Let's just put it that way. So when I'm in these different circles and due to the nature of what I'm doing, I see these weird little microaggressions and how people are. And then they kind of look at me one way, but my voice is very distinct. So they hear me talking like, oh, that's Rob. Let me turn off this weird racial thing I was doing a second ago. It happens all the time. And I find that I, I try not to push the button too often, but sometimes it is what it is. And to your point about it's like you got to call that out you know it's just like i don't know what it is but this feels like this so let me poke at it a little bit more to have a you know a person actually oh the, yeah yeah you know just you, you know you're so authentic you're so you know urban and so street i was like uh-huh yeah. come on tell me more about how black i am tell me more <laughs> and it's like you gotta set that example like if i'm not gonna set the example who is because the story i was just telling you about i was 
the only person of color and there was one other black guy in there and he noticed what happened he came he like this bummy he's like yes yeah, that's what you're supposed to be doing i was like yeah like we can't just be out here taking this like we can't like we can't we got to stand up for ourselves we got to represent ourselves because if we're gonna let people put us down like that professionally how are we supposed to come up you know what i'm saying how are we supposed to have confidence in our work and in our things that we're showcasing and trying to sell and trying to promote like it comes within yourself first and then you know you get to be able to to uh portray that to the public 100 i i, I love it we're, we're on the same page you go sis i love it i love it <laughs> <laughs> so talk about a, l- a little bit with me when you're you're thinking through your work sort of the the, the sort of trajectory what is the because i understand the abstract component understand there's a even in the art therapy lane that's in there talk to me about who who and the what maybe different eras of art different styles of art um in addition to the abstract work but you know who comes to mind when you think like i really like their work i really get a lot off of them like i'm stealing maybe how they go about their thing or their use of color tell me about that um andy warhol for sure just with his pop-up pop pop art sorry <laughs> pop art um i like how he does like the different the variations of like the same image um i am a fan of that um somebody else would be there was a uh, middle eastern artist i think her name is like Zena. i can't remember her last name but she has like this line work that she does and i'm a huge fan of that and i think being um being arab we have like a lot of line work in our art just in general because of how the arabic language is um how it looks and how we spell. So I feel like I kind of have like this stained glass vibe mixed in with like pop art, mixed in with some contemporary. I'm a huge Van Gogh fan. I have a few paintings, like it looks like his style, like kind of wavy and like swirls and different things. Um, But I would say just like, it's kind of like a combo of all the people and all the artists that I um, am a fan of and respect and kind of take in little bits and incorporate it into what I do. It's great. It's great. Um, I'm looking at my um, Roy Lichtenstein book right now on the floor. And I'm saying, yeah, uh-huh. it's a copy of a copy of a copy. <laughs> and even uh, I had this period um, probably six years ago now, I was looking at one of the paintings in the studio uh, where I was just I just felt compelled. I got uh, possessed by the creative Holy Ghost, I'll call it. And I started painting things and there's a painting that um, is two of them. There is one that's in um, one part of my house and one that I gave to uh, my partner. And it has sort of this Basquiat energy to it. It has this street art and this emotion that's in it. And I'm not an emotionally driven dude, but I look back at just those paintings during that time, that sort of six month period. I'm like, yeah, I was kind of processing emotion here. Yeah. So in that sort of way, that segue, I was a, I was a loose segue there I attempted. Um, tell me about like conveying emotion in your work in terms of the colors, in terms of the shapes, in terms of the, 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 the line choices and, and that those components of your work. Oh God, I would say my, I'm very emotionally driven. I'm just an emotional person. I'm a Scorpio. (laughs) So yeah, I know I'm a cool one. I promise. I promise. (laughs) But, um, what's it called? Yeah. I, I feel very intensely. Like I, I feel just like I, I am a sensitive person, not to say like boohoo sensitive, but I just feel energy like very crazy. Um, so when I've had my heart broken, I've come up with these like pieces. They're kind of like gory a little bit, a little dark. It's like broken hearts or heart stab, but those are like the 
most favorite paintings. Like when people look at my stuff, they're like, wow, I love this one. Or like, this one speaks to me or whoa, like this is dark, but I like, I love it. Like, and I'll be like, whoa, like I was really depressed. I was in a dark space when I did this. And then sometimes there's works that I've done where I'm just like really happy. I'm on top of the world. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like just to putting out some energy. Let me come up with something. Like, let me just paint for fun. And I come up with like this really cool idea on the making like a series out of it. Or sometimes it's just movement. Like sometimes I'm just like anxious or, you know, I'm stressed out. Like I got stuff going on, but I'm like, I really want to paint, but I don't have like a whole lot of time to really focus on a project and do some more like abs- like more simple abstract work and just do like a lot of like waves and movements with the strokes of the brushes. Like you can kind of see, like you can kind of see how I'm feeling in the paintings, just like by the looking at the textures and the strokes and everything. So I will say, yeah, my mood definitely uh, coincides with the artwork a lot of the time. <laughs> that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I, uh, I, I, and I want to get your take on this is is it a version of transference of like you have a feeling it's like i need to get this out into my creative work whether it's a painting or you know maybe the other things i find that you know creatives and artists usually have more than one thing that they kind of dabble in and one thing that they really go into so is it transference in your opinion of having a feeling it's like i need to get this on a canvas i need to get this into a sketch or into writing yeah usually i'll do the sketches first um most of the time and then um unless i have like a canvas readily available but i'll usually end up sketching something first and then i'm like oh this is cool let me put this on a canvas and then i'll put it on a canvas sometimes if i'm just like no today i really just feel like painting i will paint or if i'm teaching a class sometimes like i'll give the kids instructions on what to do that's like the the more technical side so when i'm teaching my classes i really like stay to my lesson plan um i'll usually have something already made for them to uh use as a reference so while they're doing stuff, if I'm if I'm going through something or I had like something I just want to get out, I'll just kind of make my own painting in class. Um, not all the time. Like it's only if there's like downtime or free time, of course. But um, yeah, I'll just like I'll start working on something um, and the kids will be doing their projects. I'll go check up on them, but I'll, I'll create something throughout that class time that is like, okay, cool. I kind of got my energy out here too. And having the kids around, it motivates me more because I see like what they're doing and I'm like, oh snap, that's cool. Like, why am I not doing that? So I'll kind of like learn from them sometimes and incorporate it in in what I'm trying to do too. And I'm like, oh snap, I remember this one. So-and-so taught me, taught me to do that. And it's like these little kids, like, you know, you're teaching them, but they also give back to you, which is really dope. It is dope. And um, as a person that's recently uh worked with students and podcasting and going back to these things that almost feel second nature like i know how to do that she's got do 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 and now i have to like go through and break it down and have them ask questions and be like oh well this is why you want to do this i'm like i'm remembering it and it's this sort of like quote and i'm going to paraphrase it because i know i'll butcher it but it's this quote around like you always want to be a novice you always want to be that because you're always going to be inclined to learn and you don't just assume that I've mastered this and you don't pay attention to the smaller details. Yeah, for sure. And that's something too, like artists are, it's really hard for them to do. Like I'm a rare case where I've had people just t- tell me to my face, like, Oh, you're flexible. Like you're, you're, you're down to, um, to change something if I want it this way. And I'm like, of course, at the end of the day, like, Hey, it's a business. Like you're paying me 
to make something that you like, like it's for you. It's not for me. So why am I going to be like, Oh no, I don't want to learn how to do that. Or that's not what I do. You can go to somebody else instead of just like take the time to hone a new skill or to learn something or just stay open-minded period. Because like, again, you want these people to come back and work with you and you want to give them something memorable and then something that they're going to like, cause I'm not keeping their painting. So that's something that is, is very big to me, just being flexible with, with the clientele as well. It's very much a collaborative angle, you know, where, you know, I even look at this and I've told more and more folks about this as I'm doing these interviews. This is my creative pursuit, right? But this is a collaborative thing right here. So we're doing this interview, you're prepared, you have the right energy and all of that stuff that goes into it. And there's almost this unwritten agreement of, this dude isn't going to waste my time and give me goofy questions. Maybe I am. I don't know. But um, but there's at least this intent to, you know, have interest in your work and like, let's open up the story. Let's open up the conversation. And but it's very much collaborative. It's the same energy. It's an exchange in that way. And sometimes people don't get it. It's like there's collaboration in that in that sort of way. So if I send the questions over beforehand or if I'm like, this is how we're going to do it, that's my responsibility to make sure it's set in the best possible way to show the guests in the best sort of light and have them most comfortable to share their work. Because at times, and I think as you touched on it a bit earlier, sometimes our work is rooted in something that is a tough thing to go back and think about. So if it's just like a bunch of nonsense and BS that I'm kicking to you, you're like, all right, this is a waste of time. This dude is not a serious person. <laughs> yeah, that's the biggest thing. I'm like, why am I going to sit here and waste my time and waste somebody else's time? Like, that's not, that's not, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> so, so your website has this quote on it. And, you know, the Ralph Waldo Emerson quote, um, every artist was first an amateur. I'm going to say that pretentiously. Amateur. Uh, so reflecting on your, your own journey, like how do you see this quote resonating with your development as an artist? Um, and and even this other part to it, is artist a term that you are very comfortable with? I know some people don't like the term artist. People shy away from it sometimes. No, I would say I'm an artist. Um, I'm an artist and I'm a creative either or to me it's the same. I make art and I'm creative. So either way, I'm just like, you know, it's it's the same thing to me. But art isn't just like visual either. You know, you have like musical artists, you have comedians, you have dancers, you have theater, you have like all different types, all the arts, right? I would say... Um, yeah, to me, it just depends on like what your skill set is and what you hone. Because you could be an artist, like right, you be a drummer or something. You not you're not necessarily creative. Like you just know how to play the drums. Yeah. So that that's kind of like the only thing I would really differentiate the two from. But I would say it's both. But the quote itself kind of came from me, just like my journey and my path. Because I didn't go to college for art. I didn't master in art I didn't go for any of that like I went for psychology so just to be able to like go back and take the skills I learned from a child into high school into like being self-taught and YouTube and however I've been learning and strengthening up my skills to how they are like you can literally start from nothing and become something and you can't be scared just because your work isn't great in the beginning if you got to practice like with anything right like we go to school for 12 years to learn English and to learn proper grammar and to master all the stuff we've mastered now, be per, how to be professional, life skills, how to socialize, what's what's expected, what's not good to do in front of people. Like it's kind of the same thing. Like you really got to take the time 
to train yourself and to learn and learn about the history and learn about the field and the industry and like what it's about and who are the people in it and everything, you know, it's, it's not, to me, it's not a hobby. It's a lifestyle. So that's why I'm like, I take it very seriously. I'm not here just doing this for fun or extra pocket change or yeah, this is like some money for my, you know, this is how my bills, this is how I eat. This is how I survive. Like, so I'm going to master and study under whoever I need to and respect those people. Because honestly, I have a lot of mentors that if it wasn't for them, there's no way I would be where I'm at right now. Cause they were the ones who, who made it big and they've been like generous enough to give out the opportunity to be able to follow in their footsteps and kind of learn the things that they know. And they've like had to struggle to learn. They kind of are just spitting it out to me. Like, Hey, this is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't. This is how you do this, blah, blah, blah. You know? Yeah. And, and it's a lot of value in that. Like, you know, when I do this stuff, I always give away just time, energy, and just expertise for free. I think it's to be shared. And, you know, a lot of folks want to hold on to it because they'll look at folks as competition, right? And I don't, I don't do that. I'm just like, I'm the one that's, that's doing this version of podcast. I'm the one that's got these jokes or this corny sort of my, no one's replacing the sort of me. Yeah. In it. And I think that's why it's important to have you in your work. Like someone can do, you know, a painting, someone can do some work, whatever the creative work is and you're like eh, it's great technically a sound but it doesn't say anything it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't speak to me it doesn't have any emotion yeah. in the person in it so but sort of handing out and, and sharing sort of the technical components of it that's great and i think that's what you know folks who have been in the role and what i see my role as to it's important to do it's important to sort of help this next generation of people that are coming up. And it's like, oh, and hopefully they kind of keep that going because, you know, culture disappears, you know, creativity disappears. And oh, yeah. Is. So being able to have people that carry on to the next sort of lane and level, that's important. No, for sure. And that's another thing I've noticed. Too, I just wanted to touch on real quick is people being willing to collaborate and not see, see each other as competition because, Man, I'll tell you, there's been like a few people I've tried to work with in the past and um, I end up like working with them under a person who is um, like setting the project up. And I will know this, these people, like, we're cool, whatever. And I start working with them and they, like, don't want to work together. And it ends up ruining the project. And I come back, like, sometimes and I hear, like, yeah, they got weird because um, they heard you were coming in on the project with them. Or, like, you can tell there's an intimidation and they don't want you to be a part of it. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, they're, like, I've had people, like, block me from doing the tasks that I was specifically told to do. Or they, like, want to second guess too much or not, like, just trust, you know, just trust the, the art, trust the process. So, um, I don't work with those people because it sets you up for failure like that. I, I know like for this one instance, like we ended up m making a huge mess and everything just because stuff wasn't done properly. The communication wasn't done properly and people like got like petty and disrespectful out of nowhere. And it's just like we're supposed to work together just because you want to be in charge. And this isn't even your project. You are here to help with me. We're here together to work together now. Like, look, we got to do hours of extra work like for no reason so i've just seen it blow up and i don't i don't think that having that kind of mindset is successful especially if you want to be in this industry absolutely i, I you know I, I see it in something that's like this i see it in all of the things where sort of scarcity is around and opportunities are limited and you know it's always someone wants to be the 
the the alpha, the the top person in it, and they know what's best. And you know, there are all types of other things that come into mind, whether it be race, gender, you know, uh, presentation, identity, all of those different things. To say, oh well, I don't want to work with this person. And they kind of block someone who's just super talented and has the merit and it's gotten the opportunity. Yeah. Or they're just jealous. They're like, oh, I know she's good or I know they're good or whatever. And this is supposed to be my time to shine. I don't want stuff like that. I've seen it happen. Not only to myself, I've seen it happen to other people. Like I've seen people's reputations try to get this, like what they called us, like swept, mopped because people were just jealous of, these artists success and it's like you know just like having to learn how to navigate through that and like just keeping your reputation pure because i know like i have those such a rapport here with a lot of people that if someone was to go and say oh like he did da 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 i would have them call me and be like hey i heard you did this why are they saying that like did this actually happen not like oh my god and start spreading it around to everyone like oh did you guys hear about like da 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 so it's like um again you just learn it's a learning process you just learn how you're supposed to move how you're supposed to speak behave everything and deal with people so that way the impression lasts and like you continue to have the relationships because without that like how how are we going to eat how are we going to work together where where's the art going to happen so so i got one last real question for you to reset as it were uh what's next what's next for you um you know, I want to hear a little bit about what's coming up um, for you um, from the from the business side, from the your your own individual practice. What's next? So I know right now for me, I am um, going to be teaching a lot this next semester with um, some schools in Southeast D.C. and Ward 8 and um, a high school in Tacoma Park. Um, I'm also doing next month art all night, which is a huge art festival that DC holds. Um, I currently work with Chris Pirate as well. He's a very big muralist out here. Um, but yeah, he's like, he, he is like one of my top mentors. He is awesome. He actually like gave me the advice that really changed, um, my whole life. And I really started to take everything seriously. So he, um, he helped kind of push me into doing what I'm doing now, but for right now, that's really all I have. Um, I may have a few showings in the next month or two um, as well. One at Flourish Gallery. And um, I was asked to do another installation somewhere in Virginia. So lots of different little things going on. I love to hear it. I love to hear it. So we got um, we got a couple rapid fire questions. I got to shoot your way because, you know, you, you've, you've earned them. I, I, that's the thing I try to tell people. When the rapid fire questions, it's not something to be afraid of, something you've earned. All right. So um, here, here's the, uh, the the first one I will have you. There are four of them. Um, what is the, your favorite or most inspiring place that you've like lived in or created in? Oh, I would say um, Lebanon. I'm going back there in a couple weeks, but Lebanon or the Virgin Islands. I went to college in the Virgin Islands and I go back like every year and just going there and getting to see like the colors and the scenery it's like it's indescribable i can't even really say it's like majestic like you really feel like you're on another planet um but the same goes for lebanon too lebanon is just crazy um i love going there it's beautiful you get all sorts of different aspects and uh, land features and colors and like i don't know it's just like one of the most beautiful places i've been in not being biased i have been like a lot of places around the world but it's still the most aspiring to me like it makes me want to create uh describe your art in one word abstracts 
Of course it would. <laughs> uh, th this is a weird one. I've added it recently. What's the most inspiring color to you or most important color? That's actually the question. What is the most important color to you? Red It's my favorite color and it's the most intense color. I feel like you can do so much with red. You can make pink, you can make like dark colors and it's just the color of passion. So I'm a very passionate person <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. But I'm like, I just love that color. <laughs> This, this is the last one. I'm, I'm always interested into the uh, the culinary exchange, right? So um, what is your, you know, go-to, I, I need to eat something. It doesn't have to be healthy. It has to be good. What is your go-to, like, food, uh, snack, whatever it is? What is your go-to? I'm about to sound so basic. It's some pizza. Some, some New York thin crust, like, jumbo slice pizza. Like, that'll make my whole day like if i'm having a bad day and you're like oh, let's go get some pizza it's got to be some good pizza 100 100 uh, that that is the perfect answer actually <laughs> um so so one i want to thank you for coming on and making the time to be on this podcast this illustrious podcast and two i want to invite and encourage you to share with the listeners where they can check you out social media website uh all of that good stuff the floor is yours Awesome. So y'all can follow me at Lex from Lebanon, L-E-X from F-R-O-M, Lebanon, L-E-B-A-N-O-N. My website is Abstracts by Alexi. And my Instagram art page is also Abstracts by Alexi. And it's in my bio um, of the first Instagram that I gave you guys. So check me out. <laughs> and there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Alexi, Ebby, Mikel for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there is art, culture, and community in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it. Oh,